Hello and welcome to episode two of I Haven't Heard That Name in Years, the lazy memoir podcast of Hannah Harkness. Uh, if you are not a fan of self-serving memoirs for a comedian that you may or may not know, uh, then I would like to direct you over to my fictional podcast, Kate's Bunker, which is a cool sci-fi drama about a divorce and a toxic doomsday prepper podcaster. Uh, but I promise that it's funny and not just uh, sad like the several real instances of that actually happening. Uh, so this is an interview with my dad, and it's really cool that I finally managed to get something like this out here, just because I've been spending my entire comedy career of over a decade doing bits about having a jazz musician as a dad, and talking about it on social media all the time and everything. It just, I feel like it's only fair to let my dad tell his side of the story, and also maybe pop off some stories about me that happened while my core memories and brain meat were still forming and I, I don't remember and uh, have no chance to defend myself because he didn't when I was just doing stand-up about him uh, and he was not there. So <laughs> it is only fair in uh, fairness of me, you know, running around and uh, talking to everybody from my past uh, that the stand-up material finally gets to come to life and confront me uh, with my own karma. But yeah, this interview was super fun and really good insight into the amount of freedom that I had growing up as far as creative expression goes. You know, people say that to me all the time, whether it's like, oh, it's, it must be so cool to have musician parents that give you all of this, like, creative freedom, you know, and not, like, coming down on you with all kinds of like conservative uh, dogma and then you know letting you express yourself and everything like that and yeah that that's all true uh but it's really important to note that i actually had a lot of exposure to religion growing up in particular i had a lot of exposure to christianity i did not go to church oh well, well you'll see i was in churches just not in the traditional sense you know but i wasn't indoctrinated into anything or wasn't baptized, uh, but I was around a lot of different faiths and people of, you know, different religious institutions just because my parents frequently played music in those environments or attended things in those environments or they had friends who were spiritual. So me and my dad do a lot of digging into all of these different environments that I was exposed to and just how that affected my spiritual development growing up and my perception of things. And, you know, as, as somebody that, you know, I transplanted to New York from Philadelphia like five years ago, and it wasn't that big of a culture shock for me. But when I talk to other comics that, you know, transplant from other areas of the country, it becomes immediately apparent that I kind of... I don't want to say dodge the bullets like because I don't want to be too judgmental of the way a lot of people grow up, but there's a lot of really uh, damaging dogmatic structures in religion and also all kinds of like damaging suppressive cultures that people, you know, grow up in and, you know, move to New York to escape that I just... I just don't even think about, but it's not because I had no exposure to religion at all. It was just because I hadn't been, you know, told that one thing was the only way my entire life. I was just exposed to many different things. I wasn't godless. I was, uh, <laughs> 
anything, I had too many gods. I had too many decisions. And I, I think that's probably why I ended up in some version of a pagan Buddhist. I, who even knows what? But yeah, this, this interview is really enlightening about that. I also want to take a couple of seconds to talk about my grandmother, Nanny, before we start this episode. We talked about Nanny a little bit in the interview with my mom, uh, and then, you know, she came up again uh, when we did this interview with my dad, because, you know, essentially, I, I had three parents, you know, every single one of them worked full time and was incredibly busy and they all evenly split childcare responsibilities and nanny passed away when i was in 4th grade so sometimes it's difficult to remember how much of a big impact she had because you know that that was huge you know she was an additional parent but you know it's like fourth grade the brain matter is like still kind of coming together and i have less memories of her than uh, most other people in my family but she was intense and she was very courageous and incredibly before her time you know i i I think of myself as a really eccentric esoteric unique unicorn of kind of a person you know on a on a good day i actually believe that about myself because it's true. But I realize how much easier it is for me to be this kind of person now than it would be if I were a trolling, nonconformist, funny person in, like, the 1930s. And that's what my grandmother was doing. My grandmother, well, not a comedian, she was a nurse in the city of Trenton, was a troll long before trolling was ever a thing. And I realize now as an adult, because I never got to know the nanny as an adult, you know, she didn't, I was a kid. She wasn't drinking around me. She wasn't cursing around me or anything. I didn't know that, like, when she was doing adult stuff, she was acting like you relate to your granddaughter, not like you relate to another adult drinking and having a long argument with you, you know? Like Dad said in his interview, we might be able to find, uh, like, even though I can't interview her, we might be able to find a couple of videos of her uh, interviewing herself. She used to submit, there was like a vacation section for the local newspaper of, like, different people in the neighborhood could submit photos or whatever of their family on vacation. It was just kind of like a neighborhood type thing. My grandmother would submit photos under the name Mrs. Bill Machuda and wear Groucho glasses, which are, you know, those glasses, the fake nose and the fake mustache, and stand in front of various buildings in Trenton, New Jersey, and then mislabel them like, you know, she stood in front of a local cathedral with these Groucho glasses on, and the caption was, Mrs. Bill Machuda uh, visits the Notre Dame Cathedral, and she'd just submit this to the newspaper. She thought it was hilarious. My grandmother loves Sam Kinison, and frequently people had to double take apparently and then I just hear this from other people obviously I didn't know this but you know apparently people had to double take uh, a lot when they saw her in the audience of a Sam Kinison show where obviously he's swearing his face off and being like insanely vulgar and everything and then my grandmother's a sweet little old lady uh absolutely laughing her ass off as I was helping out my aunt over the summer Uh, over in California, she told me that when she was a kid in, like, the 1950s, uh, she 
saw Fredericks of Hollywood catalogs uh, that Nanny had. And apparently, like, you know, she was, like, going through Nanny's stuff at one point. You know, like you do if you're a little girl and you go through, uh, you know, you go through your grandmother's things to try things on. She saw, like, fishnet stockings and stuff in there. You know, and that, that makes me think of, like, that's, that's like, the first thing I did that I consider not really rebellious, but especially because I have hippie parents. You can't really rebel against hippie parents. It's pretty freaking difficult, if not impossible. But that, like, Rocky Horror and, like, goth stuff and fishnets, that was kind of, like, my first expression of sexuality and counterculture types. Like, obviously, I've been bizarre my whole life, but, you know, that kind of aesthetic really played into my identity as a young adult so like I hear that my my grandmother is rocking fishnets in uh, the 1950s and you know I had to look it up after that and I'm like sure enough Fredericks of Hollywood uh, was founded in 1947 and I'm just like look at this early adapter trailblazer of a person yeah, Nanny was something else. Uh, I There's a famous picture of her uh, in the 90s. She was uh, visiting my aunt's Telegraph Ave and uh, in Berkeley, and she came across some punks, just literal punks, a bunch of dudes with their hair spiked and, like, big Liberty spikes all over the place, millions of piercings, and she's just like, oh, I want a picture with them. Uh, so we have this picture of my, my grandmother in this, like, really nice pink sweater set and pearls and stuff just standing with these 90s Berkeley punk dudes. And I, it, it's just amazing. And I'm just like, the amount of courage it has to take to be like me, um, because that's, or I'm like her, really, when I really, obviously, when I really think about it, to be that in her time period is a completely different thing. She was just fearless. Um, she ended up marrying, she was raised Irish Catholic, and she ended up marrying a German Jewish doctor and writing a Dear John letter to her nice Irish Catholic fiance that was uh, off at the war, but she married my grandfather, a German Jewish doctor. You know, interfaith marriage at that time, and then also you're in World War II and it's a German person, you know, it's a German Jewish person, obviously, but you know, that then you're dealing with the fact that it's an interfaith marriage uh, on top of that in a family of largely Irish Catholic uh, people. I say largely because we keep finding out different stuff about that ancestry on that side of the family. We did also find out that she uh, gave, like this is in 2015, we actually found out that my grandmother gave up a baby for adoption when she was 19 and the family found us. Uh, they wanted to know, the family wanted to know about medical history, but the family contacted us and uh, said that, you know, they'd done some detective work and they'd figured out that a Nanny was their mom's mom, their grandmother. Uh, and we didn't believe them at first, but then we went and looked back and there was, like, a good nine-month gap in a photo album. Uh, it's it like a movie, so we asked one of her friends, uh, who is still alive, if... Nanny had ever given up a baby if she'd ever had a secret baby and her friend said oh she made us promise never to tell anyone 
Um, so we suddenly have, you know, in addition to my already uh, intense family, uh, we added an entire contingent in Delaware that looks like us and like it's just <laughs> it was crazy you know it's it's and I can't imagine looking for your biological relatives your whole life and then you find them and it's us uh nanny was special you know and I know that somewhere she's watching me be just as weird as she was but uh in much more comfortable circumstances. Uh, so <laughs> that means I have to keep the bar set nice and high. Uh, love you, Nanny. And let's start, I haven't heard that name in years, the interview with my dad, Randy Sutton. Okay, should right. you be shining a bright light at me? So uh, yeah, no, I, I don't need to shine a bright light at you. Uh, there are plenty of light fixtures in the room that uh, are great and unusual. We are currently recording this in my dad's music room, of which there has been an iteration in every home I've lived. Was there a music room in the in Nanny's house? Like, did you put all of your stuff in? Like, cause I was was when I was born. I mean, like, we're we're already all over the place. But when I was born, you and mom were living with mom's mom, my grandmother. Where did you put the instruments there? Did you have a music room or the piano mm -hmm. was in the front space, which would have been the waiting room for your grandfather's patients and my vibes. And I didn't have the marimba at that time, my drum set and that sort of stuff along with my recording gear and my stereo, were in what would have been his office. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, I didn't know that. So yeah, my um, my grandfather on my mother's side passed away when my mother was about eight years old. And he was an MD. He was, was he also a psychologist or was he just a general practice medicine? He was trained as a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But when he came to this country, uh, I had to get his medical license over again. It was easier to get a uh, a license as a general practitioner. Your mom could probably fill you in on better on the details on that. But he he was a he was a general practitioner, but he was obviously very expert in psychology and psychiatry because that was the, his training. Wonderful. So we, uh, yeah, so like I said, we're recording in the music room and that's like one of my first memories I have of Ben Salem is that there was a music room and it's also just a thing, you know, growing up where I realized uh, at some point I was like, yeah, not every house has an entire room dedicated to instruments. That's kind of, I mean, it's like a musician thing, I'm assuming, but it's also just kind of a, a thing that set us apart. And it was like a cool thing that I could do when, you know, like, I, I don't know how young I was when I was allowed to like actually physically allow people into this room with me, but it was always like when I brought friends over, it was like, hey, we have a music room. That's cool. Like... <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or two, or in some cases now three. Yeah. 
but, <laughs> but yes, I understand what you're saying. You put more people in here than I do, but my friends don't really uh, <laughs> do anything here. I'm just kind of like, please don't touch things. I don't even know how half this works, and it all looks very expensive, despite being a tax write-off. After going off on that tangent, I yes, yeah, so this is my dad, Randy Sutton, and we're going to start at the beginning. Uh, the first episode we released was with my mother, if you're just joining us. Uh, so this is the second episode, and we're going to get the other side of the story of the events of November 5th, 1987. So if you could please for us recount the events of November 5th, 1987, the day I was born, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, probably best to start on November 4th um, or even a little bit before that because as your mom probably pointed out, you were upside down and backwards. <laughs> And so, wait, backwards or well, upside down and doing things differently anyway. Oh, okay, all right, um, yeah, because I, I was, I know, and I so preach, we, we, but, yeah. we knew that we knew that your birth was going to be complex. We didn't know what it was, you know, what it would entail exactly because the doctor that was, you know, taking care of your mom was very skilled and old school and was willing to attempt to breach birth if he thought it was safe. We knew that you were breach the day before. Your mom had some labor pains that came and went, as that sort of thing is normal to happen. And so I knew that she was very nearly in labor. But the place that I was working at the time, I had a boss who was less than respectful for such things. And he literally told me, well, you know, because I had to I had this meeting that I had to attend the next day that I was supposed to actually be running. And he basically told me in no, no uncertain terms, well, tell her to cross her legs. Uh, which, of course, in, in today's world would have been actionable. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. But that is what he told me. Um, and I needed to go the next day and deliver a, a speech, a, a presentation to all of the county welfare agency directors on how the interface between the county welfare system and the child support system would work. It was the thing that I was in charge of on my day job. And that was, I was the one that had to do it. Now, truth told, I already had good relationships with all of these county welfare agency directors because I had been to all their counties in person. I'd worked with them. I knew them all personally. And there was nothing that they, if they had a question about it, they would have called me on the phone directly. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't like I was there to teach them anything. It was just a dog and pony show for this guy. And I told him, well, you know, I'm, I may not be able to make it. You know, my, my wife is probably going to go into labor and that's just what it is and then he said you know well tell her to cross her legs and you have to be there and made insinuations that it could cost me my job or whatever and so the next day it didn't seem as though she was quite ready to go into labor yet so I did go into work that day and I did go to do the presentation but I put on a pair of gray painter pants a flannel shirt some suspenders and a big red clown bow tie <laughs> And developed a presentation called Mr. Interface. <laughs> um, because my boss had told me that I had to wear a tie. <laughs> uh, you know. And so I showed up because he told me I had to show up. And I had a tie on because he told me I had to have a tie. Didn't say what kind. And so I delivered the Mr. Interface uh, presentation. Got most of the way through it before I got the phone call that I had to come home because your mom was in labor again. Mm -hmm. And he really couldn't do anything to me because all the county welfare agency 
people thought it was hysterical. You know, they were they were totally into it. You know, they didn't they didn't you know they, they knew me. They knew that I wasn't oh, a flake. Yeah. So I, I kind of had the upper hand. So it didn't. They were cool with it being a bit, even without knowing all the the rest of the information. That's right. funny. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so that's that's what I did, and I and I left before anyone else left because I got the phone call. You know, they they, they literally called the officer. This is before cell phones or mm-hmm. anything like that, or even pagers. So I left and I came home and, you know, your mom was in labor again. We went over and they told us that they were going to have to do the C-section and all. And, uh, yeah, that was, you know, I mean, from there up until the point where they pulled the rabbit out of the hat, everything was, you know. <laughs> pulled the rabbit out of the hat. Um, yeah. So th- you resigned from the job that day, right? Or Oh, no. Yeah. No, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Actually, I got promoted after that. You got promoted. That's even better. For some reason, <laughs> I remember. See, this is why I have to do this is I remember a lot of this stuff wrong. Uh, but you got a promotion. That's no, awesome. what did happened. You, what, what did ha- your boss get in trouble or? Well, he didn't have time to get in trouble because about a month after that, he uh, ran off the road drunk coming home from his girlfriend. He was married. Coming Whoa. home from his girlfriend's <laughs> house. And his car burst into flames. And, you know, he... He he perished as a result of his injuries, um, and you know the only the only thing that was left really was this one, his girlfriend, yeah, uh, who he had already promoted to be our boss, Mama. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know there wasn't much, nothing much more than that. So he promote yeah he promoted his girlfriend before he ran off his his yeah. car off the road yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's trying know. to get a timeline of events here it's, it's a busy story it's, right yeah right I mean you know and, and then he died um, yeah and wow. uh, uh, it was all really quick it was in between that in between those two events is mm-hmm. when I got the offer to go work at the Department of Environmental Protection so I left and that's when I got the promotion. Right. Okay. So you got the promotion. Uh, you like, okay. So it was the same. So they're linked agencies. This is what I'm trying well, to figure out. They both are the, part of the state of New Jersey. Yeah. Both part of the state of New Jersey. So that's when you got moved over to the DEP where you continued to work for three decades or right. until like right. a few exactly. years ago. Right. 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 Okay. Um, so moving on from that. So now, uh, baby Hannah is home. Um, what's going on at this time? I know you're working. Are you also playing music still or? I never. You never stopped. I, I never stopped playing music. Yeah, yeah. So always, like, always played music. Mm-hmm. Um, in I fact, sure I would. Things change with the no, I mean, schedule I, ever. Yeah, like. Well, I. They, of course, they changed. Mm-hmm. I was a lot more tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's what it is. I was still running up and back to New York to take lessons. I was still playing gigs late at night in Atlantic City and coming home and doing the droopy-eyed thing at my desk. Yeah, no, I, I I continued to play. I never I never stopped. You know, there was, of course, you were there, so there was you know a lot of yelling in the house, mostly you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is I'm trying to like set the scene of after because these are memories that I absolutely do not have whatsoever. I'm trying right. to like, you know, what was Trenton, New Jersey? The year the uh, Trenton, New Jersey is a blank spot for me. My first actual like core memory of being a child was leaving Trenton, was being right. in the car. I remember being in the car and you telling me we were going to a new house and I remember things going past the window. And then I have one tiny flicker of a memory of Core Creek Park, which might not even have been, a th- or not Core Creek Park, the one in Trenton, 
that with the big tree. Walter's birthday party. Walter's birthday party. And that might even be like me making that up because we have a video of that. So it's possible that right. I might be subbing that memory in. So. Right. There was very little that went on with you and Trenton that was all that memory. I mean, the stuff that went on in those first three years of your life that was memorable for us was, you know, like when the car got shot. <laughs> Okay. And, Explain and our, when the car got shot. <laughs> okay. and, well, I mean, you know, it was Trent. You know, well, was, yeah, but there was like, like you know, <laughs> gang activity and drug activity in the neighborhood. And one night, the the, uh, the car got shot, and and it didn't work, and it got to the mechanic. And the end of the end of the story. Make a long story short, it wasn't about you; it was about the car. Was the mechanic said, you know, hey, I'm going to get you a new transmission pan for this. Uh, and fix it for you. Uh, the car is going to work again, but you got to make me a promise. You got to move out of Trenton because <laughs> this was your car. But next time, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had had several things happen that were, you know, we had seen a lot of violence and it was time to move. And it was possible at that point for, you know, your nanny to move. So you know, before that, she, she, there was a rule in Trenton that she had to stay in the city to keep her job, but they changed that oh, rule. Okay. And so it was possible to move and she could come with us. And so that's what we did. For clarification, nanny was the nickname for my grandmother. We've, we've run into some things recently where people thought we had a nanny and we're like, no, that's, that's my, that's my grandmother. But yeah, so she was, so was she still working when we moved to Abington? Or? Oh, absolutely. She was a public health nurse in uh -huh. Trenton. In Trenton. Yeah. Um, which I is, meant in Ben Salem, rather. Like, well, yeah. yeah, but even when we moved to Ben Salem, in fact, one of the good things about the commute was I used to commute with her every morning because my office was right next to City Hall where she worked. So I would drive in and I could park in her parking spot at City Hall. And, you know, she'd get out and I would just drive for her. And we, we commuted together for about, it was about two years we were in Ben Salem before she retired. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we, we commuted every day. It was, you know, it was a good time, actually. Got it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Nanny, nanny was something else. Building, now, one of, the, one of the things that, you know, is relevant to your life about nanny and your early years with her was that, you know, like most kids had developed an innate fear of doctors and the like. Uh, and you were, you were no pleasure to take to, to get to an appointment because, you know, the other nurses that worked with her said, like, that one's got the devil in her. <laughs> About me? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, can we explain my but, levels of uh, screaming or put in putting like the thing about like me not sleep, where or, like my inability to sleep well, in certain places? Well, like, let, let's go over that. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that your mom went over that and, mm -hmm. and that's fine. You're a colicky baby. Mm -hmm. That's all. You know, it wasn't anything extraordinary. It was just that's what it was. And you know, so we had to swaddle you really tightly. And we had an early version of the electric swing, which wasn't electric. It was wind up. So it only ran for so long. And we could put you in that and we could put you out in the hallway. <laughs> you know, like people would come over. It's like, well, where's the baby? It's like, she's out in the hallway. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it worked and, and you were comfy with it and it worked. And, you know, we you know, got, got through that time. But the thing that I was going to tell you is like, whereas most kids develop this innate fear of doctors and needles, you and your brother didn't see any of your inoculations, any of your shots for like the first five or six years of your life. Because what your nanny would do is she would go in while you were sleeping at night, pull down your diaper and give you the shot. And it would just <laughs> barely wake you up. You wouldn't know what had happened. And you'd fall right back to sleep. 
Oh, my God. So you, you had no early awareness of getting shots. You're right. I don't. Yeah. I just realized that because yeah. I never, I don't think about because like, well, I mean, got... Dr. Cooper gave me a couple, but that wasn't until I was like eight and I lived here. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, right. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then, you know, in the end, I ended up getting weird about syringes because of that failed spinal tap when I was 13. But, you know, like that. Right. But that was. On, but no, nothing. you're right. I have absolutely no early memories of getting inoculated. And then yeah. apparently it happened when I was asleep. That's... Yeah, your nanny loved to give shots. <laughs> One of the first things she did to me. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah so like, let's tell I... that story. <laughs> Well, it's way way before you were, way before Walter was born. I, I came home with your mom. We weren't married yet, and you know it's the first time I met her. And she's like, "Oh, you're dating my my daughter." I'm like, "Yeah." And she goes, "Okay, drop him." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" She's like, "Drop him. I'm giving you a flu shot. You're gonna date my daughter. I'm giving you a flu shot." And she did, and it was it was all right. No big deal. Yeah, nanny nanny was awesome. So when I was born, um, was mom working and going to grad school? Like, what was what was going on at that point? Like, well, your mom always worked mm-hmm. some in, in some capacity, but that was during the time that she was. I mean, she was in grad school when she got pregnant with you, mm-hmm. um, and she hadn't. I don't think she had quite finished up yet. You'd have to ask her about that. I mean, she didn't start full time work until we got to Ben Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, if you don't consider being a mom of two young children full time work, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying. I, I don't want to disrespect that at all. No, um, no, yeah. But that is, you know, she had lots of jobs. She worked for Mercer County Special Services. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was never a time when she didn't have some kind of employment. Yeah, she worked for uh, Russo Music, teaching music out there. And she had, when she was in grad school, she had an assistantship at the college, so she was being paid to go to college. Wow. Right. Yeah. And I, cause I'm always trying, one thing I'm always trying to parse out about my childhood memories is like percentage of time I spent with various, like you versus nanny versus mom. Cause I know all three of you are really busy, but I don't remember as a little kid being like left alone that much, especially cause nanny was usually the third parent or something. But, right. Yeah. yeah. And you did spend a lot of time with her, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. What did me and Nanny do? Like, uh, d- describe, like, what me and Nanny would do, because I-, I always like those stories. <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and I mean, we heard about some of the stuff later, and it was... Well, what, yeah, exactly. What did you hear about? Like, Oh, I mean, we heard about stuff like Walter telling us about how, you know, she would t- go, go for drives and, like, drive down the wrong side of the road occasionally. And things. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, she might have had... A little bit to drink. I don't know. <laughs> That's entirely possible. I, I have one Ben Salem memory where, because I didn't know what alcohol was at all, and she had like a little glass off to the side or something. And I, I remember like I sipped it a tiny bit and I immediately spit it out. And I was like, I don't know what this is at all. And didn't nothing right. investigated nothing further at that point. It was Jack Daniels. Yeah, there. I remember there being a lime in it. I remember that much. Um, but, so maybe it was like. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was tequila, but maybe no, it was tequila. Yeah, probably Jack Daniels. Probably Jack she, that's Daniels. What she, that's what she drank straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and her toast was "Here's to Crime," yeah. <laughs> which we still use to this day. Yeah. So, like, what well, what else did we come back with story wise? Like, do you remember? Or... <laughs> well, there's a million stories about her. But like, was I present? That's the thing. Is that I, I'm yeah. looking for stuff where I was there. Yeah. 
I know she liked going out to eat with me because I was insanely slow and well mannered. Like, right, yeah, right. she would take you guys out to eat. I don't know if she ever did. She take you over to the horse track? Did she? Yes, uh, yeah, I that memory track. is incredibly yeah. faint. I know Walter remembers it better than I do, right. but yeah, that's one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, no, my grandmother used to take me to the, to the horses. horses. Right. <laughs> Yeah. In 1990, like what year would this be? Ben Salem? Like, well, we moved there in 1990, so it would be between 90 and 95. Somewhere, right. Somewhere right. In that zone. So 90s, uh, 90s parks, horse track in right. Northeast Philadelphia, whatever right. that scene was. Yeah. Right. I don't think it was called parks yet. <laughs> Wasn't called parks. What no, was it? it was like the Ben Salem racetrack or something like that. It was yeah. just, you know, the people across our uh, across the street from us were. Uh, they managed the horse, some horses over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Did she like, but she, did she gamble on other stuff or was that it or like, I don't know. She had a thing with the lottery. She would play lottery tickets, but not, she wasn't a gambler. No, mm -hmm. not really. Gotcha. Moving on to another thing. Do you remember like when I started going to gigs with you? Like when, when was I old enough to start going to gigs? Or was I always going to gigs? Was was I a baby at gigs? Yeah, you you probably, well, because you know, if your mom and nanny came, then if they didn't bring both of you, they couldn't come. <laughs> One of them had to stay home. Right, right. So I'm sure, although I don't specifically remember it, I'm sure you came in Trenton to mm -hmm. Joe's Mill Hill. I know that while we were in Ben Salem, that's when I started playing with Barry Sames, and I know that you came to some of those church gigs with me. Yeah, that I do remember. Right. Yeah, was I disruptive ever? Like, was it di like no, was it no, difficult no. to keep me and Walter under control ever? Or? No, not 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 in that setting. No. I mean, it was always difficult keeping you under control, like in the mall. Like <laughs> what did that. I do? Like, you used to run away. Right, right. Didn't you have a and leash high. for me at some point? Yeah, like we did that for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You you escaped your mom a couple of times. I'm sure she told the, the story mm -hmm. about Sesame Street, which is yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Ben Salem was a, an interesting time because it was for you. It was when you uh, went to Montessori school, right? You know, we had those the the what was the beginning of all the amazing parent teacher conferences, where you know we kind of both would have that dumbfounded look on our face, like, no, we didn't know that about our daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, did Hannah tell you what she did this week? And we're like, uh, no, what did she do this week? Oh, she finished reading the encyclopedia. Dead space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're both like, what? <laughs> right? Which, you know, at first. They might like, have exaggerated that. So I remember reading some articles, but maybe not the, the whole thing. Uh, according to the people there, you went through the entire children's funk and waggles encyclopedia set that they had oh start to finish and read it and and i don't know that that's completely true that you paid attention to everything i know that for the years that followed that you do things like tell us the latin names of flowers oh my that god we had, we had no idea probably culminating in that day that you got in trouble with the uh the bubble soap what was that what what did i so you're, I... you're sitting at the table and we bought you this like necklace that had a little container on it with with a thing you could blow bubbles so you'd pull it out and you could blow bubbles right mm -hmm. and it was cute you know you had it around your neck and you were sitting at the table playing and i went in the other room and i came back in and the bubble soap was like everywhere it was you know we had those mirrors on mm -hmm. the wall and it was like splattered on the mirrors it was everywhere 
And I'm like, Hannah, what is that? Bubble soap. Well, how did it get there? Centrifugal force? <laughs> and we're like, what? <laughs> you know, we couldn't even get angry at you because it was like, well. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> It's like, you know, well, yes, and Drugal Force, but no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That's oh my God. And I'm I'm now remembering that, yeah, I also used to watch Jeopardy with Nanny and like I had like yeah. a really good yeah. memory for all of those. Well and the, the yeah. and you used to sit at that table and do stuff. And it was where we learned a lot about your basic personality. There was one day you were sitting there drawing and you, you fell off the chair. You just slipped off the chair and went like straight down to the ground. On the way down to the ground, you caught the edge of your chin under the table and it like knocked your head back and you slammed down on the ground. And you got back up in the chair and you started drawing again. I'm looking at you going, Hannah, didn't that hurt? And you're like, yeah, back to drawing. <laughs> and I'm like bleeding, right? No, no, no? you weren't bleeding, but oh, it okay. obviously really hurt. Yeah. And we're like, wow, <laughs> tolerance for pain, noted. <laughs> You know, I mean, you were so into it. You were so, when you were drawing, you were so focused on that. I was like, nope. And then I grew up and started doing martial arts, uh, <laughs> yeah. where I was frequently told by teachers that I don't respect my hits, that I had to bring up those, like, you don't respect your hits is basically like, uh, you get hit, but you don't seem to care when you were definitely probably a little injured, but you're just pushing through it to be a tough guy and you're busy, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely showed us that in Ben Salem. <laughs> That's, you know? that's wild. That's wild. Um, so like that was the, we actually managed to just like dip into a question that I was already going to ask is like what like what were like the first indicators of my personality? Like even prior to Montessori school, like if we're talking about like the three preschools that I didn't do well at even or like before then, like what do you think were like the first major indicators of what my personality is going to be like as a child? I think like most people, your personality was pretty much fully formed the day you were born. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think everybody believes that. Um, but so it, like, it really was, I mean, it molded and, and it, you know, it shifted in time with circumstances, but you had the focus thing has always been there. When you focus on something, everything else is gone. That's, that's remained true from day one. Mm -hmm. Your tolerance for pain definitely is there in Ben Salem. And I don't know, it, it, it's something you, you told me to sort of be, be prepared for something that you may not remember. And I, you might remember this because we've told you about it, mm -hmm. but this would be that. Probably the first uh, real external signs of your, 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 your you know, like, like um, non-binary gender identification. When you, you know, and again, when you were really young, you and your brother had taken baths together and you, mm -hmm. you knew about body parts and all of that. But mm -hmm. one day in Ben Salem, so you would have been about four or five years old, you know, you were in the bathtub getting, getting ready to get out and you stood up and you were sort of like playing with your vulva and you're like looking down and I'm like, Hannah, what's up? And she goes, my peanuts, my peanuts is stuck. <laughs> 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 it's like it wouldn't pop out because, of course, you didn't have one. But huh. I mean, that was like four year old Hannah, like wondering why she wasn't a boy, 
Whoa. You know? Interesting. Yeah. And I still, like, I've always identified as as a woman, but I always felt like... I wasn't meeting some kind, there was like some thing that I was doing air quotes wrong. And it wasn't until I got to, it wasn't until I got to the gender studies program at Westchester that I was like, oh, all of those things that I thought didn't make me a woman were, are made up things. I'm absolutely still a woman. It's just that all of the stuff that I thought made me not a woman is just things that society decided to tack on to right. various genders. Um, right. But like I, you know, I guess and I just th- noticed immediately. Wow. Okay. Well, right. I mean, at that point you notice that, you know, like I, I guess you're thinking like, well, everyone's the same. My brother yeah, has, I was my probably going to be like, I'm going to grow up to be like, I'm going to grow up to have the thing that Walter has. And I right. didn't. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. I also remember in third grade, I had a I had a thing happen where like, I took my shirt off in class and a bunch of people freaked out. And I didn't know you weren't supposed to take your shirt off if you were a girl. Oh, but, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> a few things you didn't know in third grade that yeah, you weren't supposed to do, like bring knives on the bus. But... Yeah. That wasn't third grade. That was that was elementary that school. Was, uh, Sorry, that was uh, Montessori school. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But I, w- I want to go back to talking about me being at gigs is it's just like I have a lot of memories of me like sitting near the equipment and like just kind of like talking to people and like while you guys were packing up and everything right. like would, would I be out at night when I was a kid or like no no, no. no I didn't I, you know it wasn't it wasn't like that I was yeah. I wasn't taking you to bars no I didn't well I mean you said Joe's Mill Hill but I guess that was during well, the that day. would but no that would have been that would have been like your mom and nanny coming for dinner. Oh, okay. And then taking you home. And I, I would play until one o'clock in the morning, but you'd be there for the first set from like eight to nine. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you said I, start, I started going to the church gigs early too. I remember that I started to go to the, like, I do remember going to the ones in Germantown after we moved to Abington. When did, when did I start? Cause I, I that became a thing that I loved doing is I, I, right. yeah. Um, could you explain just that little period of time in that gig or? Right. Well, that actually started in Ben Salem. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I started doing those before we moved. It, we, we moved during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a lot of jobs with Barry, who mm-hmm. who did jazz arrangements of traditional Christian music. And so we played in churches all around the area, the area being New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland. But yeah, could you uh, talk about the Lutheran church in Germantown that I used to go at all the uh, go to all the time? Like, when did when did that start? Like, do you well, have was, memories of me running around there? Like, you're probably talking about. Barber's Church. Barber's Church in Germantown. Yeah, that's specifically what I meant. Right, right. There was like four or five Lutheran churches in Germantown that we played at. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Barber's Church, was a, it was a smaller congregation, but you really liked it because Barber's daughter, Cynthia, was mm-hmm. there. And the two of you used to hang out and kind of play around together. So you became friends. So you enjoyed going because you knew you had a friend there. And, you, and Cynthia knew her way around the church so she could take in like all the uh, back rooms and everything. I know right. you guys were running around a lot in there and just like messing around, but it was it was okay because Cynthia was with you and she knew her, she knew her way around. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, one of the one of my favorite memories from that is the time that um, I was sitting next to Cynthia and they started doing communion. And she goes, are you going to take communion? And I said, no, I, I haven't been baptized. And she goes, well, it's okay. It tastes like crap anyway. And she <laughs> left. And <laughs> That was one of those things because I knew I remember being like a little freaked out because I I, I don't 
I know that that was a thing that sure, like it sure. was it was something that othered us from the rest of the people there that I and I still to this day I haven't read a whole Bible like I, I've start I've read a little bit of Torah but like I haven't read a whole Bible I was just kind of there for the music and everything and I knew things were different right. I knew there was Judea like we had the Judaism influence in the house both you and mom have one Christian parent one Jewish parent and we had some of those traditions there so right. I had like an early early awareness that our family was kind of different in the in the sense that we weren't indoctrinated into any one specific or at least I wasn't indoctrinated into any one specific religion but we still spend and spent uh, a lot of, we've always spent a lot of times around a lot of different religious institutions and correct that, Hare Krishna yeah Hare Krishna <laughs> I I even just remember there being like I had an early cognizance of like the difference of white congregations and mixed congregations, which is not like that's something I've talked to people a lot about is that that's not like the first time I went to a white congregation. I thought everyone was asleep. I didn't I, like I didn't get it. Like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it, it does depend on which congregation you go to. True. There's some kind of sleepy congregations. Yeah. Across all ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and there's some rather lively ones that, you know, it, it's interesting that the minister has or the rabbi or whoever is in charge of the service has so much to do with the energy in the room and whether it's a, a positive experience or, you know, just a, you know, y'all are sinners and you're all just going to go to hell. So uh, pay yeah. up in the, in the in the trade that's going around and we'll see what we can do about it, but no guarantees. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't right. think you were ever, I don't think I was ever exposed to that quite as much. Or if I did, I didn't understand what was going on, you know. Right, right. No, I don't think you were ever at any of the any of the services that went off the rails. There was a couple of them. Yeah, well, which which services went off the rails, do you think? Um, There was one that your mom came to with me that, I think it was a Presbyterian congregation and uh, he was having what he described as an interfaith service, meaning that other forms of Christians were allowed in. <laughs> um, and he was trying to be very magnanimous and describing all of the different, you know, the differences between their practices and they got around to the issue of the difference between Catholics and Protestants and their use of incense. And he proceeded to describe that incense was, you know, a, a practice that came actually from ancient Jewish practice where they would burn incense in the temples to cover up the smell of the burning animal sacrifices. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which, of course, your mom's head immediately began to spin. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Wow. <laughs> you know, and, that, and, and I remember uh, I remember another service where a guy went off on us, you know, about anyone who didn't accept, you know, Christ as their Lord and Savior immediately. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter how much you loved or appreciated Jesus. <clears throat> so anyway, he went through that whole rap. And, uh, you know, I remember um, a friend of mine who's basically practices Native American religion leaning over to me and saying, oh, I guess we're all screwed. <laughs> Because, you know, it's what it was. Um, you know, we, we saw, eh, occasionally we would see that. Most mm -hmm. of the places we went. I mean, you know, we were in their place of worship. So it was on us to respect what they wanted to do and how they wanted to say it. We got to see behind the, you know, 
we got to take a look at Oz behind the curtains, yeah. so to speak. You know, it was it was kind of like, okay, that's what y'all do when we're not around, or at least you don't know we're here, you know? Because how would they know? Looking at me, they couldn't tell that I wasn't Christian. Yeah, for sure. You know what? It just occurred to me um, because we already went through the memories. Like I always ask at the end, remember, like if you know something that if you if you could think of a memory that you think I might have forgotten, and you you already did that. But something I I want to talk about. Um, you took me to New Hope when I was 13 and bought me my first set of tarot cards. And that's right. that is a thing that I view. It's like when I talk to other people about like their religious upbringing is like an anomaly like that doesn't happen. And it was like I wasn't even like you guys were the ones that exposed me to like paganism and uh, Wicca and stuff like that just because we went to New Hope a lot and I was looking around the stores and everything. But it right. was I remember it being your idea. Um, and I was just I probably wasn't so much my idea. It was probably more your idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't didn't stand in the way of it. No. But but neither your mother or I have any real background in Wicca mm -hmm. or, or pagan religions that much. I mean, we didn't know we actually learned more about it once you got into it. What those stores also had was a lot of Buddhist and, and Hindu stuff. And that's why I would have been in one of those stores. Okay. Yeah. That, that but there and, and but there we were with the incense and all this other stuff, and you were drawn to that. And it just I don't think it was us. You know, like I said, we didn't stand in the way of it, but I don't think it was us like suggesting, hey, now you're 13. You should have a set of, <laughs> you should have a set of tarot cards, because otherwise, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of the yeah, that was one of those yeah. things that I, I wanted to clear up because it's not like that's that is definitely like a different thing, but it makes yeah. more sense that you were in the stores because of the, the Buddhist iconography and everything right, than right. I would have just been like yeah. prattling around as a child, like looking right. at stuff and then, right. you know, seeing all of these cool because you know, I was exposed to so many religions just following my friends to services and then right. following you uh from achieving uh child consciousness i was already wandering around churches and synagogues and right. unitarian universalist uh well we did we did take you to to some sunday school at Univer unitarian churches for a while you did do that for a minute how you, old was you, i you when that was happening we would have been in ben salem so young yeah, so younger than seven. Interesting. Uh, yeah, we yeah. didn't. We didn't do it after we moved here. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. It didn't yeah. didn't really take for you or us. It was. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember uh, one Unitarian. I think I went with. Uh, Matt and Megan Hines, maybe right. one time. And I remember Unitarian Sunday School, they actually just went. So Thomas Edison was a Unitarian. We're going to make light bulbs today. Uh, and it had no, it, it, just, it had nothing to do with anything. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, that was awesome. I'm, oh, yeah, got all the way up to about ten years old, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, we got we got through a lot of stuff. I mean, there, you know, we're going to be jumping around timelines uh, a lot right. and just getting different memories. But I kind of wanted to get you know just you and mom's like both sides of the story. The early story. The early story. Yeah, yeah the early story because Walter's won't have uh, my brother Walter won't have like as many of those memories. Uh, mm, no, he well, he won't, mm -hmm. and you know they will have long. Um, pauses <laughs> <laughs> and we may see that in an upcoming episode yeah okay um, well i mean there was there was a lot of stuff in high school yeah yeah for know. sure um yeah well 
thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to continue to apply you for facts as I go on this autobiographical journey. Thank you, Dad. No problem. All right. We're there.